When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Ridiculous Ashes podcast. I'm Dan Lipke. With me is Alex Bowden. Hello. We're, we're covering historical Ashes series to find out which nation is the more ridiculous at cricket, England or Australia. And uh, for reasons that we explained in our previous podcast, the first series we're covering is the 1997 Ashes. Okay, so the way it works is that uh, each episode we take a look at one of the test matches uh, and I nominate three ridiculous moments from England. Dan nominates three ridiculous moments from Australia. And then between us, we decide which of those was the most ridiculous of all and second and third uh the first most ridiculous moment gets three points the next most ridiculous gets two points and then the uh, third most ridiculous gets one point as you probably predicted um <laughs> this is not about bad cricket um ridiculous moments can be good or bad we have to keep emphasizing that uh they just need to seem sort of outlandish in some way or extreme or exceptional for example, in the previous test, uh, Australia shocked England, England, 1990s England obviously being the favourites in a ridiculous Ashes series. They uh, they managed to secure more points, largely through Captain Mark Taylor being selected, despite a complete lack of runs. Uh, and then by going on to hit 100, uh, totally in in the face of his recent record. Uh, and then that was compounded by Greg Blewett effectively getting out twice in two balls during the batting collapse. So pure... I mean, unadulterated ridiculous cricket from Australia, which took the took the uh, took the match for them, despite Nasser Hussain's completely unexpected double hundred. So, moving into the second test, uh, they have the they have a one test lead. Uh, let's uh, recap what happened in the second test, Dan. Okay, so uh, basically, the first day and most of the second day of the second test was washed out uh, just because it's raining. It was Lords. It was raining, of course. Rainy. Yes, Mark Taylor won the toss and asked England to bat, or perhaps a little bit more. 
precisely asked Glenn McGrath to bowl, and Glenn McGrath decided he would take 8 for 38 as he bowled England out for a mere 77. Uh, in reply to that, Australia cruised their way to 213 for 7 before declaring overnight, with just one day left in the test, that any hopes of knocking over England sufficiently cheaply to snatch a victory were, were dashed when Mark Butcher and Michael Atherton put on 162 for the first wicket, and the match therefore ended in a soggy draw. Uh, but this uh, ridiculous Ashes test won't necessarily end in a soggy draw, so let's find out which team won it. Okay, shall I uh, shall I make the first nomination? Yeah, yeah, hit me up. What have you got? Uh, well, I'm actually, I, I think it's a worthwhile first nomination because it, it takes place before any cricket takes place. Yep. Uh, my first nomination is something that hadn't happened uh, in a home England test. England hadn't managed to do this in a, in a home test since June 1991. Bearing in mind, this is 1997 by this yes. point. Uh, they they picked the same team. Oh, okay. <laughs> highly, highly unlikely. So from uh, June 1991 to the uh, second test of the 1997 Ashes, they never picked the same team twice at home in home tests. They managed it away from home, presumably because of illness and lack of options. I'm not yeah. quite sure why, but they achieved it at some point away from home which is i mean at the time they were probably playing about six six tests a summer or something like that. so it's about 30 odd tests in a row never picking the same tweet team twice it's quite yeah. something I, I, yeah i was just trying to do the maths in my head yeah that that's that, that's quite impressive australia did have one change uh, as you may or may not recall from the previous episode jason gillespie was startlingly injured uh, so he dropped out of this test and Ordinarily, you'd suspect he'd be replaced by Andy Bickle, who had been 12th man in the previous match, but instead Bickle had somehow uh, got himself injured. So instead, it was Paul Rifle who'd flown in specifically to replace Andy Bickle, who became the 12th man. So that, that, that was a shame for Andy Bickle, but kind of keeping in, uh, in character with him, because a little bit of hindsight corner here. Hindsight uh, corner. Andy Bickle would go on to become one of the greatest 12th man Australia ever had. He was a, he was a dozen year without peer, I like to call him. <laughs> so yes, uh, spectacular stuff from Andy Bickle. The dozen air is a the, the concept of the dozen air. I was trying to think of uh, England equivalents, and it's quite hard. I mean, Andy Bickle was quite outstanding because he was twelfth man so often without playing a great deal. I mean, a lot of the people I think of as being great England twelfth mans, twelfth men. Yep. Um, when like James Anderson had a spell where he was uh, uh, seemed to be twelfth man just bowling at one stump for uh, an entire <laughs> series at a time. But he, he's obviously played a couple of games since. Yes, he he's, he's he's come good at that young lad. Yeah, it turned out okay for him. Uh, just going back to the England team, the mm-hmm. the unchanged England team. I, I mean, this is slightly outside the remit. We'll probably come to this in good time. But I, I went back and had a look at the 1991 team to see. <laughs> uh, you know what justified not changing that team? Yeah, um, there were there were a couple of things which really stood out from it. The first is that Steve Watkin was in the team and he only played three tests, so <laughs> the odds of that were quite slim. And the other thing which really struck me was that the team included both Graham Hick and Mark Ramprakash. Oh. Now, what are the odds that England would pick both <laughs> of those both players of and then not immediately drop at least one of them, <laughs> possibly both? I'm sure that's the only time that happened. I, I guess this kind of explains why. England weren't able to have a, a, a sustained dozen year, a sustained 12th man like Australia did because they just kept swapping them in and out of the team. You, you can't, you, that, that's not how you build a 12th man legacy. No, but it is how you build a ridiculous Ashes legacy, and that's why that's they a, were such a powerhouse. That's true. I, I would like to nominate Ian Healy not claiming a catch. Here's what happened Ian Healy, as we all know, is a wicketkeeper. Ian Healy is also an Australian, and Ian Healy is therefore an Australian wicketkeeper. <laughs> 
And yet, Ian Healy did not claim a catch because he was unsure whether it carried or not. This is this is perhaps the height of ridiculousness in Ian Healy's career. It earned a, a bit of applause from the umpire David Shepherd for, for his honesty, which is just not a sentence you expect to hear around Ian Healy. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild stuff. I mean, a few months earlier in a Johannesburg ODI, which was the tool they were on before they came to uh, England, uh, Ian Healy was caught breaking Jonty Rhodes' wicket and then appealing for a hit wicket. So presumably the umpires didn't applaud him at that point. It is, it is always unusual for an Australian to be caught bending the rules in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, I was watching the footage of this because it didn't seem credible, but it happened. And it looked like he didn't just um, fail to claim it, but actively rejected it. It yeah. looks like he told the umpire it didn't carry. Yes. And that was why Shepard was applauding him. Uh, the only thing I can think was that, you know, there was so much rain around at Rainy, Rainy, Rainy Lords that uh, he'd sort of just decided it was going to be a draw and he was making a calculated investment in winning over the umpires to try and cash in the good, cynically cash in the goodwill later. That was the only theory I had as to why he might have done this. That, 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 that's a great, great way to undercut an otherwise perfectly ridiculous moment from Ian Healy. <laughs> I, 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 th- I think, you know, and that's probably more in line with his character because infamously, perhaps Perhaps his most famous, uh, perhaps less honest moment was in 1992, where he managed to stump Brian Lara without the ball. <laughs> I mean, that, that's Brian Lara, so that's fair enough because you can't really get him out in normal methods. So, but no. yeah, so this, this was a tour de force from Ian Healy. Uh, shall I move on to my next nomination? Yeah, just a quick backdrop again to the Test match. England, England won the One Day series that preceded yes. the Test series three 0 so they were riding high, uh, and then they'd won the first Test as well. So they were they were extremely buoyant. Mm. Uh, at which point uh, they were bowled out for seventy seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, it's it's a real perfect '90s England moment. Um, but not only that, but they batted into day three thanks to the Lord's weather. Uh, so getting pulled out for 77 despite batting into day three was quite a feat and I, I feel this was almost a demonstration like a, uh, a show of a show of strength from England England <laughs> Australia collapsed in the first test and after sort of five or six wickets gone down Shane Warner had a bit of a fight back and uh, thrown his thrown his bat and got a few uh, got a few late runs England had sort of put on a demonstration in the second <laughs> test. This is how you do things properly. Just no hint of a comeback. <laughs> yep. Once you start collapsing, just absolutely, completely, utterly fold. Uh, and I've got a slightly obscure fact, which is that in the first test, Hussain and Thorpe, uh, Nasser Hussain and Graham Thorpe shared England's biggest partnership in the first innings, which was 288 runs. And then again, in the first innings <laughs> of the second test, 34 runs. <laughs> there you go. So they're, they're consistently uh, England's two best in, in non-ridiculous terms. I, I, I do, I do enjoy the the 77 all out in two and a half days it kind of reminds me of a as some kind of Zack Snyder movie with the violence suddenly switching to extended slow motion for no good reason it's just <laughs> we're, we're going to really draw this out uh let's let's move on to my next one uh, and and this one's uh Shane Warne as a pinch hitter uh as you mentioned in the in the in the previous test, uh, Shane Warne did come in and uh, ruined an otherwise perfectly good collapse, or, or at least uh, dampened the impact of it by by smashing a few quick runs. And of course, in this test, with all the rain about, as, as we mentioned, uh, Australia once they overtook England, which didn't take all that long, were, were still looking for quick runs because they their, their only real chance of winning was to get a decent enough first innings lead and then declare and bowl them out quickly again. So in in a, in a bid to get those quick runs to set up the improbable victory. Uh, 
Captain Mark Tubby Taylor promoted Shane Warne ahead of Stephen Waugh, which of course is absolutely delicious in terms of Hindsight Corner. Hindsight Corner. Should we remind people what Hindsight Corner is? Yeah, we'd better, better redefine it or explain it again. So yeah, essentially Hindsight Corner is stuff that is... Not so much ridiculous at the time, but it, it's very ridiculous in retrospect. So given uh, Shane Warne and Steve Waugh's, well, the, the, the decades after their careers ended, uh, the fact that there's just a teeny bit of animosity, one-sided animosity for the most part, uh, it's, it, it is quite amusing that Shane Warne was the choice to, to bat ahead of Steve Waugh. Uh, Warne, according to the ICC rankings, was the 91st best batter in the world at the time. That's pretty good. That, that is pretty good. Uh, Steve Waugh was a lazy 90 spots higher. Steve Waugh was the best batter in the world. <laughs> and what makes this even more ridiculous is that Shane Warne then made a four-ball duck, and following that, Steve Waugh was out first ball. So absolutely went went to perfection. That, that's that's pretty much perfect ridiculousness from uh, the Australians there. The rankings kind of bring it home that even without hindsight, that that's quite a slap in the face <laughs> for War. Yeah, it's, it's compounded by hindsight, but it was quite something even at the time. Yes. Uh, it also strikes me that when it comes to declaration batting, Wars was the better innings because <laughs> yeah, a golden duck is uh, you're just wasting less time than a four ball duck. Uh, very true. Okay. For- I'll move on to my next nomination, which yep. is uh, quite a quick one, because um, it's uh, defined by inaction. It's Alex <laughs> Stewart refusing to take part. Um, there are three aspects to this. There's, first of all, he uh, in England's innings, he refused to score more than a single run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the way that he, he lost his wicket was by refusing to play a shot at the ball that hit his stumps. It was a very <laughs> fine. And also, in sort of true Stewart style, it's a real effort leave like yeah. a, a back to the heavens job uh, and then sort of uh, rounding this off he refused to keep wicket by having a back spasm which meant that John Crawley stepped in with the gloves <laughs> so do, was Alex Stewart under the impression that he was England's 12th man was was that what he was going for he was pitching for dozen earring yes. duties yeah, oh, that, that that is spectacular. I think uh, that 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 inaction there from Alex Stewart. That's uh, truly a sign of a great ridiculous team when they can be ridiculous just by not doing anything. <laughs> uh, so my final nomination is, and this, this is kind of a subtler uh, moment of ridiculous, is Australia somehow dominating an Ashes series that they're behind in. So. Australia, this match ended in a draw. They ran out of time. Australia couldn't actually win the test despite despite uh, being on top for most of it. But somehow, and I'm still not quite sure how, they, they, they went, came out of this test, a series that they were still technically 1-0 down in, but they, they came out with the, the usual air of dominance that you'd come to expect in uh, Ashes clashes in the 1990s. Are, are, we, are we required to call them Ashes clashes? Ashes clashes, yes. <laughs> so I, I actually have strong memories of this actual moment in time. I, I do. Re- I do remember vividly that despite the fact Australia was still one nil down, all the all the Australian a- arrogance, even like at home watching this series, uh, you know, from the other side of the planet, it was like, all right, this is inevitable now. We will win this series. It's fine. There was a brief burst of doubt with the first test lost and the ODI series loss, but no, we've uh, bowled them out for seventy seven. It's all, it's all going to be fine. Yeah, and I think that would be returned from the from the home <laughs> team. I think everyone agreed that even though England were winning, Australia were winning. <laughs> Yeah. 
and it's pretty. That's pretty. I mean, that's just that's just what it was like in the nineteen nineties, wasn't it? One good spell from Glenn McGrath, and everything seemed pretty much predestined from that point yeah, on. Yeah, that's, that's how deep rooted it was. I think that's the thing. It's uh... yeah, and, and, and I did like. Uh, I, I saw a, a brief interview with Glenn McGrath before the test, and apparently Dennis Lilly advised him just before the test started. So you know, not not a bad per, not a bad uh, mentor mentee relationship there with Dennis Lilly having a chat to Glenn McGrath, um, and apparently Dennis Lilly advised Glenn McGrath that he'd been running in too hard and getting to the crease too early and that, that just made me want too early for what like <laughs> what does it mean to get to the crease too early i i, I honestly don't know but that that seems slightly ridiculous as well <laughs> that's a fine extra aspect do we have any un- unnominated moments uh i've got a i've got a couple yep uh there was there was a spell of terrible fielding all of which, uh, england fielding obviously <laughs> yeah. uh, all of which i mean it'd be amazing if australia had a spell of terrible feeling and still bowled england out for 77 um but in the space of an hour, they seem to miss about five chances. I think Elliot was dropped three times uh, uh, by two, twice by Mark Butcher at slip, and <laughs> rather more predictably by Devon Malcolm at long leg. Yeah, uh, Mark Wall was dropped at slip by Nasser Hussain, and there was also a leg leg side stumping opportunity for Crawley, who uh, didn't take it. Yeah. That, that 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 does feel like England just felt a little bit embarrassed by how much more absurd Australia had been in the first test, and they just threw everything they had at uh, at Australia. I think say. they'd stockpiled some yeah. ridiculous from the. They weren't sort of pacing themselves correctly, so uh, <laughs> yeah, try and get rid of a bit. They they have cluttering up the place. Uh, another aspect is the, some Lord's news. This so this was the final Ashes of the 20th century uh, and it meant that England's 90th, 1934 victory was their only Lords win against Australia in the 20th century which is that's, a, that's a, a an amazing stat isn't it that's that's yeah I kind feel of like I got it wrong but it, I read it in wisdom yeah um, uh, <laughs> yeah that has got to be true all right so let's move on to the three two one votes um I, I I do think it's very hard to go past a 77 all out uh, yeah you've got to do something very ridiculous to top yeah that. I mean and I think that the backdrop as well of, of being buoyant and on top of the world and yep. then being up Simpson and batting first and being ball up since seven by halfway through day three it was yep. just it was very very fine that's that's very good um i i, I mean as as funny as the worn pinch hitting above steve war is most of the comedy in that does come in terms of hindsight corner it was a little bit ridiculous corner. at the time but it, it's the ridiculousness is just boosted by the hindsight corner so i, I think my strongest moment is is probably the the ian healy um mad burst of honesty uh that 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 just strikes me as very ridiculous yeah i i would i would still put the sense seven all out yes. ahead of it just because it was a real sort of team effort he is <laughs> a real sort of standout like i say slightly qualified by my suspicions that he was up to something but i don't yeah. know if that just sort of speaks of his innate cunning and it says even more about healy that i don't know he could take it either way but yep. uh, yes i would i would i would happily accept that so what have we got left? We got Alex Stewart's in action and oh Australia dominating. I mean Australia dominating is I mean it's not that ridiculous really given everything else that had already happened in the 1990s. Well again yeah if we take the if we take the the context into account if we take sort of 10 years of context into account and England being bowled out for 77 it seemed it was a fair 
<laughs> it was a fair conclusion that this is the way things were going to go. So yeah, well, maybe go with Stewart then. Yeah, I, I think I, I think uh, that's pretty much got to be uh, Alex Stewart. I, I think I think the inaction is is very impressive. I, I like the idea of the the two wicket keepers or two theoretical wicket keepers uh, getting the two and one points, <laughs> even if Stewart had to opt out of being wicket keeper to get that one point. I mean, Stewart sort of persisting throughout the game as well through lack of run scoring, yep. lack of using his bats and <laughs> lack of keeping. It's just a whole unused kit bag <laughs> yeah so I, th- I think that i think that means uh england take this test for four ridiculous points to two uh which means yeah, they so surge back to level the ridiculous ashes one apiece it's exciting stuff so uh, uh, uh in much the same way as the uh, the actual series a return to normality with the yes. favorites <laughs> exerting their uh, their dominance yes all right, so I think that'll pretty much do us. Uh, do it for uh, this week. We'll we'll be back next week. Uh, but, but before you go away, can you please follow us on Twitter? Uh, I'm at Lieb Cricket. That's L I E B Cricket. Uh, I'm at the King's Tweets. Uh, don't judge me for that handle. <laughs> and and you can also support us in other ways. You can uh, subscribe to Alex's Patreon. You can buy my books, or you can just uh, go to whichever podcast store you downloaded this episode from and give us your your honest five star rating. And uh, we'll be back in a week to with our coverage of the third test. See you then. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.